So obviously, uh, glad we have this excuse to kind of catch up and want to talk all about the the new album and touring and punk in the park and talk a little metal and maiden like we normally do. But um, hell yeah. Let's dig into the album and, you know, this crazy pandemic that sidelined every band across every genre of music across every country and certainly had its effect on you guys. But take me back to the pandemic time and making this new album, Ollie Ollie Oxen Free. I mean, were you guys already done recording it? Where were you at like last March when the pandemic hit and in the midst of this album, was it already done? Where were you at in the recording process? We actually had nothing done. It was actually our plan for last year, prior, right, right before the pandemic. We had seven months of touring. Uh, up. We had Japan. We were going to um, South Korea for the first time. We were doing Alaska and Hawaii. We were doing a full European tour. Um, we were going to be doing some U.S. shows, doing the Flag of Molly cruise. And then that all got swiped with the pandemic. And so uh, we just basically started, like, you know, sending each other ideas. You know, because like the other guys were in Arizona, right at that point, we didn't have a guitar player. We were, we were actually, for the touring that we had for the last year, we were going to fill in guitar player, or actually our, our previous guitar player that was going to come on with that stuff. So it was just the three of us that just wrote. And, you know, pretty soon, like by, say, late August, we had about 15, 16 completed songs. We started doing pre-production and we started, we went to the studio at the end of October and recorded a full record. And were you guys all able to be in the same studio at the same time? Yeah, oh yeah, we were we were very careful. Um, it was just, I mean, also the fact that it was just gonna be us three and Cameron Webb, who you know, Cameron Webb's like done. He did the last five Motorhead records. He did Ignite. He did the last few Pennywise records, and so we were really careful at the time. Um, luckily, it wasn't COVID wasn't too bad at the time, but we were also uh, Mike and Jason, our guitar player, guitar our bass player, who was also a guitar player on the record, and our singer were living in my house during that whole time. So it was you know we were just confined to us only. So you were kind of self-quarantining as a band already. Makes sense. Absolutely. Dude, your drums sound amazing on on all these tunes. And certainly, I guess the kudos goes to Cameron, but a little bit yourself. How do you feel after looking back on this album? Are there any proud moments for you on it? Well, like the opening of uh, All Yali Austin Free, the title track that you've actually played a few times. I mean, that was, yeah. a drum ri- that was a drum idea I've had tucked away for the last 15 years. Every band I've had been a part of, they'd always like say, no, I can't do anything with that. I don't know what to do with that. And so I played it for Mike when we were doing pre-production. We were just wrapping it up pre-production. He goes, he taped that beat again on my on his phone. And then the next day he walked in with the song completed. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, and basically Cameron Webb, basically his, his exact words from, to me um, when it came to recording was like, dude, let out your inner Keith Moon. And that's all he had to say. <laughs> he didn't, I, don't, I don't even think he knew that Keith Moon is my favorite drummer of all time. You know, my son's name, Keith, after Keith Moon. So, I mean, uh, that's all he had to say to me. Was like, oh, go nuts. And you're basically saying, I'm super proud of the record that we made. It's like, it's it's by far the best thing I've ever done. And he just made my, my drums just sound bombastic. It sounds amazing. I'm stoked on it. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And, you know, speaking of the title track, also cool to have Jim Lindbergh from Pennywise on the tune as well, right? He's on, he's on the song, uh, Don't Turn Me Down. How did you guys hook up with him? Oh, we've, uh, we've known each other for years. Jordy and uh, Peter went toured many times over the years. Actually, previous to the pandemic, one of the last tours we did was us, the Bronx, and Pennywise for a good two and a half week tour. It was from Florida to Arizona, which, you know, so we're, we're all just really good buddies. And so when we were writing that song, he basically goes, dude, I, just, I would love to do is like, like do a song with Jim. And so Jim said, absolutely, he'd do it. And without even, without even saying a word, we went in there and recorded, and it's been amazing. Was he able to be in studio for that, or do you have to mail it in? He uh, he uh, he he mailed it in from his house. He has, a, I guess, a little studio at his house there. 
Awesome. And, uh, you know, speaking of the album and, and kind of setting it up, and how do you guys feel as a band to, to live stream or to not live stream? That's the question. Well, the way everything's going right now, I mean, by the time the record comes out, I mean, but I mean, but it just comes out on the, on it comes out on the 18th, you know, Arizona's pretty much already wide open. So we already have a, a show lined up for that day for June 18th. And so we're playing in Phoenix, Arizona, you know, the band's hometown. So, yeah, we're stoked about that. I mean, right now, pretty much the world's pretty much opening up again. At least America is. We did five live streams over the course of uh, the last year. We, we've been at that live crowd, and so we're stoked to be playing in front of a live crowd again. Yeah, and dude, I can't wait for Punk in the Park, which we got to get into. But before we do that, I guess we got to talk about, dude, you're going to be all over that festival playing Saturday and Sunday. Let's talk for a second about uh, your other band that you're going to be at Punk in the Park with and Pooley and Scott Radinsky and 10-Foot Pole. And I'm starting to have flashbacks from back in the day. And obviously, we've all partied and drank too much, but we've known each other forever. Did you meet Scott or did you had you already met him? I remember some crazy like punk rock arcade festival thing at the National Orange Show. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure 10-Foot well, yeah, Pole played Scott. at that. Scott left the band. Well, Scott was asked to leave the band in 95 because his baseball career, the band wanted to be more full-time. And with Scott's baseball career at the time, he couldn't really do anything between Valentine's Day and October just because that's training <laughs> baseball season. season. Yeah. He had, kind of got asked to leave. And Dennis, the guitar player, took over the vocals. And um, I became their drummer in 2004 at that, actually at that Super Kids. So that's where I'm, uh, Dennis basically saw me play with uh, my old band, Homewrecker, who you know as well. Yeah. And then, um, he called me like a week later and asked me to join the band. So I, I met Scott at this uh, festival in Belgium called Gros Rock back in 2012, I want to say. And, you know, just over, you know, over the, um, and I was in another, I'm also in another band called Implants, which uh, featured an old guitar player from Bully. So I, I knew all the guys in Bully for a long time. So it was like, there was not really, uh, there was no getting to meet, getting to know you kind of thing. So I knew them for a while. And I'm sure that Scott appreciates it. Not only you being a kick-ass drummer, but you can talk some baseball with them too. I, I just like bringing up in subtlety. I don't like to, you know, overpower him with all this stuff. You know, just because like, I know, you know, like you know, inside scoops and all that stuff, but he just, you know, I just, I just, I just talk casually with him about it. <laughs> You're not like to shift or to not shift, or what do you feel about a universal DH? Yeah. Or stuff comes up all the time, but it's like you know, if I ask too many questions, I start feeling like I'm like, a, I'm like a, being like a little fanboy. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> totally get that. But dude, punk in the park, November, long yeah. ways away, but totally going to be worth it in uh, Orange County at the Irvine Lake. And uh, you know, you had kind of touched on it. Yeah, you're going to be there on Saturday with Pulley, and are you going to go give uh, Justin a big old uh, home wrecker hug because he'll be playing with Guttermouth, right? Oh, of course. I mean, just we are. Me and Justin have been golf buddies during this whole pandemic. You know, that's what, that's the one thing I've learned how to do during this time is, you know, I need another way to get my what my aggression out. So I started. I my wife and I and my family we got a we bought our home. We got the keys to our home two days before lockdown. And the Sierra Lakes Golf Club is literally the eighth hole is right across the street from my house. Oh wow! <laughs> so me and Justin, that's how me and Justin like kind of got reacquainted. We used to, we used to became golfing buddies. I saw him. At, I saw him there. We were eating lunch, and yeah. And so I'm yeah. I mean, it's, it's gonna be the best thing about Punk in the Park is just it's a big camaraderie of everybody. I love every band that's on the bill. Just can't wait to hang out with friends, have some drinks, and just gonna be a good time. I can't wait. It's crazy. I was trying to go back to those home record days. What a great album that was, dude! And what 2004? So the, like yeah, probably like oh two oh three when that band was formed or something like that. Yeah, like the the middle of three, we were uh, we had basically they were in a, that band that I called Sticky Band. This is a local band. Right. Their drummer, who was Steve Steve, the other guitar player, it was his uh, brother. He basically, you know, got married and you know, basically just started having a life and 
uh, they wanted to start another band, but they didn't want to be stick to bandits. So we just formed together. And that's, it's funny, like how like me and Justin are still like the, the warriors going forward now. I mean, Steve yeah. lives in Austin now and Nick's, uh, Nick's, a devoted family, father or two, and just, you know, that's, it's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's great, though, to hear about Steve, because I knew Steve, and obviously Justin from, like, the hollow days, but... Uh, it was May of 2018, I think one of those days, May of 2018 or 19, um, we reunited for at the Highbrow in Upland just for a fun show, and was, the place was packed. Oh, no way, there was a homewrecker show? Yeah, we did, a, oh. we did just, like a, like, a weird one-off. Steve came out here, and we practiced once, and that was it. I mean, uh, we've talked about doing it. We've talked about doing it again, but you know, we have to wait till everything starts clearing up. Now that I mean, bars are open again, so <laughs> I'm pissed that I missed that. If there's another one, you better let me know, dude. I cannot miss. Absolutely, it. dude. I'm I'm slapping Absolutely. myself as it is for already missing that, dude. Uh, you know, <laughs> so Steve's in Austin and just is he have kids? What's he up to? He's got yeah, he's got a, he's got a couple kids. I mean, basically, he's a uh, he's like doing like the cover band circuit out there. He's I actually um, every time that we, I've been out there, he's come to the show. And one time we were actually playing, he was playing next door to us. His cover band was playing, so <laughs> I went to go watch him play because we weren't playing until later. And then he came back to my show and we hung out and afterwards and all that stuff. So yeah, we, we still keep in touch all the time. What kind of covers is he doing? Well, when I saw him, I mean, he was, he was like basically like doing like a lot of '90s stuff. You know, like basically the alternative, the the hard rock stuff out there. I mean, and Steve, Steve's got such a great, you know, uh, universal voice that it, it was no, no, like a no brainer for him, but it, it works pretty well for him out there. Yeah. I mean, that guy is so talented. Can do whatever the hell he wants to do. Yeah. It doesn't get an ounce no matter how much he, <laughs> he <laughs> I assume, I, you know, it's funny. I didn't even think about that. I'm like, of course he's still real thin. There's no way that he's put on. Oh, paper. no way. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and how crazy is it that now Justin? How long has Justin been playing drums in uh, Guttermouth? He's not playing. With, he's not playing drums anymore. He's playing. He's now been the guitar player. Our buddy, our mutual friend AJ, is also in the band. I uh, hit the switch. A killer drummer. Um, he actually replaced me in Buddha Gold Souls. He's playing drums for Guttermouth now. And Justin's just back to playing guitar where he wants to do. Oh wow! So he's back. But he was playing drums for uh, quite a few years, wasn't he? In Guttermouth. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, I, he was like doing everything. I mean, whenever. Whatever person couldn't come to the show that night, that's where he would play. <laughs> God, that guy's a, another guy with super uber skills and, yeah, played every instrument and could sing, write that's songs. A badass. Yeah. God, jack of all trades. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Dude, speaking of the old days, I was trying to remember, and I remember some story, and I wanted you to tell it about your dad being a roadie for Iron Maiden. Yeah, so my dad... Um, Basically, I mean, he he uh, he had done the cover band circuit for a long time. And then basically, um, a guy who had advised for my dad's cover band became vice president of this uh, light company called Show Lights. And uh, back in the day, and this was '88, so my dad's my dad's first tour was uh, the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son tour. Oh, I love that album. And yeah, I mean, it just me too. And it was funny because I mean, like um, you know, because like, I'm a lifelong Kiss fan, and Ace Frehley was opening up the tour, and then he dropped out. I think mid tour because I think he went bankrupt. And then that band Killer Dwarfs took over, and so my dad did that. My dad did that whole tour, and then the U.S. Uh, leg, and then he jumped right on the ACDC um, Up Your Video tour with Cinderella. Oh wow! So he went from Iron yeah. Maiden to ACDC. Yeah, and in the middle of that, he did the MTV Video Music Awards for that year, 1988. <laughs> Dang! I saw the VHS of the 88 MTV Awards. You see my, you see my dad like um, Arsenio Hall and Rod Stewart are talking. You see my, my dad's like right on the left. <laughs> That's so rad. Yeah. 
And geeking out about Maiden for a second. I think we've talked about it before, but Clive Berg better than Nico McBrain? That's how I feel. I, uh, Clive Berg, I just think, has just a certain finesse about it. Nico is nothing. I'm not taking anything away from Nico. He's a fantastic drummer, but he's done a lot of the same things over and over again. Where Clive, I thought, just had this like galloping, had that thrash, had that punk, had that kind of thing where it was just, it's unmistakable that Clive Berg. I mean, all, all the stuff on the first three records. How It Be Thy Name and Phantom of the Opera and Murders in the Room War, that still going into the into that fast part. It's, just, it's still one of my oh. top. I can, hear, I can hear those three albums over and over and just be stoked on life. Dude, let me throw a deep cut at you that I think has a great drum riff. And I back when I played drums a little bit, I used to like kind of warm up to it. Total Eclipse. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, absolutely. absolutely. Love that song. I, I, my, my thing was to basically just like, I always like nailed down was always the beginning of Murders in the Room War. Da, 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 da. And then that still going into it is just so badass. Dude, and then, you know, the other one I used to do all the time was A Prisoner, but then I found out that Bruce Dickinson wrote that. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. First album <laughs> in with the band. Hey, I'm the new singer in the band. Oh, let me just throw down this badass drum beat real quick, too. I think the thing about him is that like, he had been around for a while, so I think he, he pretty much had, like, I mean, a good idea of like what he, you know, you know, I, I, he always had that very, I mean, it's been, a, a, from what I understand, a very good ego. There's egos, there's egos that are bad, there's egos that are good. He's had a good one. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not an ego if you can back it up, though, too, right? Like it, Exactly. A, I mean, the guy, I mean, I've seen him, I saw him last time here at the, that, uh, that Bank of California place. Yeah, yeah, we he, said hi at the uh, show. That was the best I ever heard him sing. He's still just <laughs> killing it. It's, it's, it blows my mind. After beating cancer, no, nonetheless. Yeah, and I just I, I just read he had a hip replacement surgery. <laughs> Nothing slowing him down. No, he's going to keep going until he's dead. <laughs> Here's the thing I wonder about, though, dude. Nico, being the old, and, mm-hmm. and certainly not picking on Nico or anything. I love Nico. He's certainly the friendliest guy in the band. I got to mm-hmm. meet him on the Brave New World Tour, and they, they were he was the nicest. Anyways, he's also the oldest guy in the band, and I wonder at yeah. some point, being a drummer, being the most physical, do you think he hangs it up and the band continues on? My personal opinion, I think, man, when, when one of them's going to be done, I think the band will be done after that. I had heard things before like where i heard that they're, they're gonna do one more album and then one more one more album in the tour and then they're gonna do another like kind of like their greatest hits kind of tour and then they're gonna be done i'm 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 assuming that that's probably the safest except you know assumption yeah i mean i could see them doing one or the other i think you're right i think they probably you know would hang it up once once nico calls it i mean because physical you know no one knows better than you how physical drumming is and and especially for as many drums as that guy's got to hit throughout a show and you know the shoulder and the the wrist and everything and and being just a big man himself that's a lot of body parts moving around all the time and oddly enough bruce is the youngest guy in the band i think (laughs) so he could yeah he they really want to do he could he could certainly keep flying that maiden flag maybe as a solo artist yeah, I mean, he. I mean, he. He obviously proved that he could pull off his solo artist. Man, I still love like Catchy Millionaire and all that stuff. I think I thought his solo stuff was great too. So, I mean, I don't. I don't see Bruce retiring. If even if the band does retire, I don't see him retiring anytime soon. And you know, Yannick will be right up there next to him. Oh, of course, and flailing, flailing his legs around like a weird, like a little, like a little uh, heavy metal ballet, doing his marionettes and everything. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Dude, the thing I can't, I still can't understand, and then we'll move on, but it, like, how do you sit over there if you're Adrian Smith or Dave Murray and go, like, watch him take solos? Because he's, there's old songs that he's playing solos on, like Two Minutes to Midnight and stuff, and you're like, you weren't in the band at that time, so you're taking somebody's solo away. Well, in all fairness, too, I mean, you know, 
um, Adrian also plays uh, solo parts in Fear of the Dark too, which is Yannick. So it's like I mean I think I, I think the cool thing about that that band is that, I mean they all they all respect each other and I think they all respect each other's um, strengths and whatever. And so I, mean, I think I think there's been never I mean I, obviously there's been working because they've been back together since two thousand ninety nine two thousand. So I mean it's been yeah. going twenty over twenty years strong. So. Yeah, no, I'm just geeking out, and certainly they've, they've got it figured out, and certainly you would never know if Dave Murray's having a bad day because that dude's always wearing a smile. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, he's amazing. I love that guy. <laughs> dude, the last band I got to hit you with, and, it, you know, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, talked about this next band I got to get into with you just because we still, at 96.7 K Cow Rocks, we still do mandatory Metallica, which you're going to be a part of. So... Mm-hmm. Talk to me about Metallica. Let's talk Lars. Are you a Metallica fan? I am. I was very fortunate enough, like I said, you know, my dad did the lights and all that stuff. And I got to see a lot of concerts. My first concert was March 27th, 1983. I was five with Kiss and Motley Crue. Nice. Um, uh, the first time I ever saw Metallica was actually opening up for Ozzy on the Ultimate Sin Tour. Oh, wow. And I saw Cliff. <laughs> you know, um, that band, like, basically, I mean, the, the, you know, the Godfathers along with the big four. I mean, Anthrax, Megadeth, and Slayer, and even all, I have to throw Exodus in there because they're part of that, that original thing. Ride the Lightning, in my, in my opinion, is, like, my favorite record by Metallica, but hands down. Escape, it's one of my favorite songs of all time, and just, I mean, right, the, the title track, Ride the Lightning, that album still gives me the chills every time I hear it. Like, that, that is my, that is my, uh, Bible of Metallica right there, is Ride the Lightning. Wow, I'm shocked to hear that, and, and it's funny that you bring up Escape, because that's the one song that they hate, and that was their quote-unquote, that was them trying to go for a quote-unquote radio song at that time, was Escape. I think the chorus is just amazing. It's it's an amazing chorus, and I love I love the way that James James's voice follows the guitar on it. I think it's a brilliant song. That I think is very underrated. Being a drummer, let's talk about Lars for a second. Is is he the Godfather, or does he deserve all the crap he's getting? That break down Lars and your thoughts on him. Lars has his strengths, but also he's got his weaknesses too. I mean, is, are there better drummers in the genre? Absolutely. Is he the best by far? No. If I if I had to listen to any drummer between any of those guys, it'd be Benante and. Uh, Lombardo. And Lombardo. Yeah, yeah, of course. As far as Lars, I mean, I mean God, obviously he's like a, a, a main arranger of the band. He's a principal songwriter with James. So, I mean, if it wasn't for him, I don't think there would be a Metallica the way that way they were. I mean, where his strengths are, he's very, he's very, he's more business oriented, I think, than he is uh, like a, a true musician. I mean, he's not, I mean, he's not the best drummer in the world, but he's got his strengths. And I think that if it wasn't for him, Metallica wouldn't be where they were. Yeah, he's definitely the uh, engine that dr- that drives the train for sure. I mean, he's he's the motor yeah. in that machine for sure, without a doubt. Yeah, and absolutely. How, how crazy is it that the Black Album's going to turn thirty this summer? That was, I mean, that was like the summer before my freshman year of high school, and you know the fact that everybody everybody was just waiting on that on the Black Album. They were waiting on Usualism uh, One and Two from Guns N' Roses. That, those were yep. the albums that everybody was like waiting for. Yep. And I remember I remember like watching the world premiere of Enter Sandman, I'm like, oh boy, and it sounded so much better than, I mean, I love Injustice for All, but there's no bass in that record at all. Yeah. So when I heard Injustice, when I heard the Black Album and I heard Enter Sandman, I'm like, oh, here we go. Here come, the, the floodgates are opening. Here we go. And they're going to be huge. And I, I, saw, I saw him on the forum of that tour, at the forum on, on, the, on that tour with, uh, with my dad. And it was, you know, amazing. It was like a full three and a half hour set. It was just blistering. It was incredible. Did you go to the big uh, Guns N' Roses Metallica tour back in there? I think that was at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I got grounded, so I didn't get to go. Ah. 
Figures as much. Figures as much. Well, I, 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 I wanted to see Motorhead, too. Motorhead was playing that show. Yeah, Motorhead was great. And then, you know, typical Axel taking forever to come on stage. So uh, Andrew Dice Clay was at the show, and they asked him, and he went out and did like 45 minutes. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, you know, I, I've seen Motorhead plenty of times since. But, you know, as, I mean, as a, as a kid, I, I think I was 15. I really wanted to go to that one really bad. But in all fairness, too, I was already knee-deep in punk rock by, by, you know, the middle, by the middle of 92. Is Lemmy the godfather of punk rock? I think Lemmy's just, Lemmy is God. <laughs> <laughs> I think that had it not been from Motor- Motorhead, I can't imagine what, where we're punk or thrash or metal. I mean, I think, I think basically, you know, you hear like Dave Lombardo and I think you hear Dave Lombardo, you hear, I, I always compare his drumming to like the, the speed of minor threat with, uh, with overkill on the double kicks. Yeah. Yeah. Filthy and so thing. it's like Motorhead is a blueprint for what would become punk, metal and thrash, I think. Yeah, amen to that, dude. And, and do you ever get to play with them or meet Lemmy? I have not. I never got to. I never got to. And that was that's my one. I wish. I mean, I, I mean, I, I played with we. Um, I did this one festival in Europe, and I, we did not belong on that festival. But boy, was I stoked <laughs> to be a part of it. It was us, Helmet, Biohazard, Forbidden, Queensrÿche, and uh, Slayer. <laughs> nice. And why we were on that, I don't know. But I was not complaining <laughs> one bit because I got to see all those bands play. That's why I love you. You're like the most like metal punk dude I know, and I don't, I don't know nothing about punk. Like you're you're my punk rock guy guide. <laughs> I I literally get calls every day like say who does the song, who does that song. Like people like ask me for trivia because I'm I'm that nerd that I'll tell you who produced it. I'll tell you what year it came out, what label it was on, and like that. So I'm I'm one of those weirdos. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, man. I used to read all the cassettes. That's what <laughs> I hate about this digital age. You don't get to do that anymore nowadays. No, I mean, but the cool thing is, I mean, you get. To, I mean, the cool thing about having the internet now is, like, if there's something that you're not sure about, all of a sudden you can just like go right to your phone and look it up and say, okay, now I know that. So it's cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely for sure. Well, dude, always a blast catching up with you, and been too long, and definitely, uh, you know, maybe one of these days I can go golfing with you guys. I've never golfed, but I see everyone golfing. I, I got to do it one of these days. I, I, I call the game so wonderfully frustrating. I'm still. I love it. And when it's just, you get that one good shot, it's like crack. You always come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I've golfed once in my life and like sunk like a 20 foot putt on the first hole and then was oh, terrible. Geez. And then was terrible the rest of it and quit by the halfway point. I was like, I, I just got drunk and stopped playing. Well, that's actually, that's another whole point of what golfing is all about. It's just like, I mean, people, I, there are people I know that take it way too seriously. It's like, dude, just have fun, have some drinks and just be stupid. Yeah, that's what I'm all about. Well, dude, always absolutely, always a blast catching up with you, and, and we, hopefully we can you, uh, do it in person sooner than later. Awesome, brother. I thank you, man. I appreciate it very much. Of course, of course. Be well, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, brother. Later. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.